Casey. And I'm Emily. And you're listening to Macabre Minds, a true crime podcast. Part two. Yes. And guess what? It's only what? a week later. <laughs> no breaks in between. Yes, uh, no breaks. Gonna I keep know that this was ball happening. rolling. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it has been. We'll keep this ball rolling though. All right. Yes. And just to have throw a little reminder out there, um, the last thing we said in the last episode uh was that the forensic team discovered that it was a man who was a bee secretor, which is a rare ABO group, about six percent of men. So it's this good lead that can really help oh, narrow yeah. down their search. That um, is hopefully. crazy. Yes. Um, but unfortunately, it doesn't work like magic. Like, they automatically found him after that. And in April 1979, another body was found in Halifax. And oh. this was the body of Josephine Whitaker. She was 19 years old. And she was found in Seville Park, about 20 yards away from the main road. And she was... Clear, once again, they could tell by the marks in the grass that she had been dragged to the center of the park. Um, and she was not a prostitute. She was living in a very high-class, big-city area. And her murder is when the police finally start saying that any woman is at risk. And they kind of say that, oh, the killer, he's changed tactics because... There are too many police in the red light area, which is where he was killing. So they're kind of not completely admitting that they should have said that from the beginning, but at least they're saying it now. Yeah. Um. Didn't he attack a child, a 16-year-old? Yeah, exactly. So uh, why wasn't that said way earlier? I know. It's ridiculous. I mean, I understand that, like, they're saying, oh, well, it's because of the police presence, but still... Oh, of course. Yeah, when someone that's living in a high-class area then dies, all of a sudden, and now we're taking it seriously when it should have been, I mean, you know, warning the public more, I guess, mm-hmm. when it should have been warned way, way before this. Yeah. Um, And it is after her murder that the killer sends a tape to the police um which basically the tape goes on for a little while he's taunting them like oh i really thought you would have caught me by now you'll never find me if you haven't found me yet kind of like stuff like that um kind of like i can't be stopped really yeah kind of calling out the police like uh, and saying oh another line i remember from the tape he was speaking to George Oldfield, who was the um, in charge, and he was like, your officers must have really let you down with this case, didn't they? Like, they're not doing their jobs properly. Ha ha ha. Um, so getting real cocky now with the letters and now a tape. Is he is he disguising his voice at all? No. What the heck? <laughs> yeah. So... Now that 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 turns into another lead, because now they know, oh, he has a 
Sunderland or Geordie accent. So they're kind of local. He's kind of localizing himself with his handwriting and the accent. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Then they're able to kind of pinpoint it. Yeah. A little bit more. Um. So the police are, I mean, not thrilled to be taunted, but thrilled that, oh, this is a big thing that we have now. Right. At that point, it's like, just the more that they get, the better. Honestly, if if someone wants to try to taunt them, fine, because that's just more information that they can gather. Yeah. Um. The ling- a linguistics expert narrowed the accent down to Castletown, Sunderland, based on the specific dialect, and then the letters were also posted from Sunderland. So he's not really hiding too well at this point. So ballsy. What the heck? Yeah. It's like he wants to get caught. Maybe he's like yeah, getting to the kinda. point where he wants to get caught. Yeah. And that that like happens sometimes with killers. Where they're like, I know I can't be stopped unless you stop me. So like, you know, that kind of attitude. Yeah, these are the people that like write the whole um oh, what do they call them usually when they write along? Like the manifestos. Yes. Yep, yeah. A manifesto. Write a long manifesto afterwards or they're willing to tell the police. I mean, clearly we have all the details. So clearly this guy eventually tells us what went down. Yeah. So, I mean, he clearly just wants to sing. Tell the story, I guess. Yeah. He's being very open, very talking a lot. Uh, in September 1979, Barbara Leach, a student in Bradford, was found, her body was found 150 yards from from her home. And at that point, she was being careful, like, because everyone knew there was a killer out. And she was walking home with a group of people. But literally, as she was approaching her house, she was like, okay. I'm like I'm I see my front door I'm home so her friends like turned the other way like and they separated thinking like she had made it home and are you kidding me that is so frightening that's so frightening yeah that reminds me of like college days walking home in the evenings or whatever and you know always having friends walk us but as soon as I'd see my dorm I'd be like okay bye yeah it's just like it's crazy that that can happen so fast yeah Mm -hmm. It's honestly so I used to get like really creeped out because sometimes like my rehearsals would go like really late and I'd be walking home from the theater to my apartment. My it's only a 15 minute walk, but still, you know, um, like really late at night, like by myself most of the time. So very lucky. Well, that, yeah. See, yeah, that's the thing is you said it's only 15 minutes away. I mean, she was only feet from her house from her yeah. door yeah so it can happen like that i mean that's why like even watching someone walk to their front door like you got to make sure that they get in mm-hmm. it's like I'm, that's kind of uh teaching me a lesson here is like always walk them all the way there always yeah. have people with me all the way there because you never know mm-hmm. always protect yourself yeah, like what a coincidence. I wonder if he was following the group and then um, snagged her when she separated off, or if it was just wrong. Yeah, place, I'm not wrong time. sure. 
Yeah, if he just like happened to be there or yeah, if he was following them. I'm not sure. Mm. Um it's bad, bad timing. Yeah. So then Project R is launched. Um, the letters, the sketch of what he looked like was posted everywhere and the tapes were played over the speakers at like the supermarket like in town like everywhere um it was the most it was the biggest pr project from the police had ever done they spent about one million pounds on it trying to just to let the public hear and see what they had so that the public could try and identify the killer I mean, at this point, they're desperate. It just keeps happening. Yeah. It's not a bad tactic. And it's it's one way to, like, keep the public informed. So. Well, that's how, I mean, like, a lot of podcasts are actually helping solve crimes <laughs> from, like, way back. Like, I know yeah. that um, Crime Junkies, they have assisted in solving other crimes, Mm-hmm. that have happened because they put the story out there and then someone can you know help with finding like might have some evidence of some sort or can remember something yeah from that incident that's how the golden state killer was caught from a podcaster or internet sleuth yeah you're right yeah yeah or they were just identified yeah so same thing kind of right yeah i know <laughs> she like that would be a crazy movie it's actually the one that caught the Golden yeah, State she killer. arrested him herself. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> they should make a movie out of that, though. I feel like that'd be kind they of they did. Well, not a, oh. not a. It's that's it's a documentary. It's not oh. like a movie. No, I mean like of yeah, like a dramatized like her trying to figure out the investigation. And everything. Yeah, so they should definitely make it more dramatized and have her and be the one that catches him. <laughs> it's really interesting because. That woman who, oh, God, I feel so bad that I don't remember her name, but her husband was Patton Oswalt, the actor. He, I'm trying to think what you, he voices Remy the Rat in Ratatouille. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, you know, I think we've talked about this before. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That is so, that is so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people really have a passion for true crime. That like they do. You I can mean, accomplish a lot when you put your mind point. to it. Yeah, Casey and Point. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's continue. Anyway, continuing on. So the letters are examined once again by David Zacherson, who is a one of the officers, and he notices that the author of these writers, the killer, is using Victorian language and saying phrases like cursed coppers. Um, and he's like, you know, that sounds familiar. So he goes to the library and finds books pertaining to Jack the Ripper and finds the original Jack the Ripper letters. And the 1888 letters have a striking resemblance in phrase and wording. And one of the 1888 letters had a line that said, leather apron gave me fits. And one of the Yorkshire letters says, that photo in the paper gave me fits. So the killer is literally modeling his own letters after the 1888 ones. I um, never, I never will understand these copycat killers. I mean, I because it just doesn't make sense to me when they start to do that. Mm-hmm. 
um, you know, whatever they're doing for whatever they have, the reason being like whatever they concocted in their brains, like why would they decide to then copy someone and make it so such a false story? Like no one's going to be scared that Jack the Ripper is back because he like he lived and died years and years ago. Yeah. I I mean, I mean like the fact that a mystery serial killer is on the streets is scary enough. It's not it's not the fact that it's Jack the Ripper. No one I feel like that just kind of dampens it. It makes you like think this guy is just loony. Yeah. Honestly. Just weird. Yeah. I mean even more weird than a killer already is. But yeah, it's it's kind of pointless. <laughs> it's just the whole idolization thing is just like a strange thing. Um, right. It's well, it's, but the thing is, it's like not idolizing. I mean, he's literally signing it as Jack the Ripper. Like he's trying to take that name and and be that person all over again. Right. It's more. It, I feel like it's almost more than like idolizing the person. Yeah, it's weird. It's it's so it thinking of yourself in that way, even. Yeah, I don't know how to describe it because, like, I already think, like, I think he's just the worst human ever. Mm -hmm. I think he's a horrible, horrible person, and he has zero valid reason for doing what he's doing. I but it really just makes you think, like, that he's just stupid. It makes me think that he's just dumber than he is to be like Mm -hmm. copying someone else. Yeah. <clears throat> a little while after that, a young woman, Mo Leah, was walking home and she heard, like, hey, hi, from behind her. And then footsteps coming towards her and she tries to, like, walk a little faster. And then she felt a blow to the back of her head. And she woke up in a hospital bed with a broken jaw, fractured skull, cracked eyebrow, and puncture wounds in the back of her head. Um, so real, really badly beaten. But Jeez. she lived. Thankfully. Wait, wait, no stab wounds? Um I they might have been. It just said they said puncture wounds. Oh, okay. So Okay. I was picturing like all in the head. Okay. Yeah. It, it is in the back probably. of her head. Puncture wounds in the back of her head? Yeah, the puncture wounds. So I think he might have, like, struck her and then, like, proceeded to try maybe, like, stab. Because he's used a Phillips screwdriver in the in the past. So I think maybe something, some sort of instrument like that could have done that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but it's just weird that it's all focused on the head because usually he'd knock him out and then stab him um, more in the abdomen. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very weird. The like the survivors have very different injuries than the norm. You know, it's I th- I think this is times when you know either you know he thought he heard someone coming or whatever something spooked him from finishing what he had started. Yeah. Luckily, for sure. Um. Leah is told by the police that her injuries are similar to the other victims, but she kept that a secret from everyone in her life at the time because she didn't want to be 
known as like one of his victims or associated with that crime in any way um and the public was not even told about her attack probably because the police were trying to keep more like outcry and anger that they hadn't solved it down so they didn't even like report it or talk about it in at all i would also be scared on her part i mean anyone that's been attacked is afraid that that person's gonna come back yeah so i wouldn't want my identity out there whatsoever i wouldn't want anyone really saying anything i wouldn't even want them to say that i lived or died mm-hmm. i mean i'd actually probably want th- them to announce that i died just so that like any chance it's of him coming back, back yeah mm-hmm. would not be like because he doesn't know you he you're just a random person on the street he doesn't know your name yeah until they announce it true true yeah in november 1980 Jacqueline Hill is murdered. She was a student at university and she was walking home late from a lecture. And other people found her bloody handbag first. That's what they saw first. And then a search started and a passerby found her body the next morning, 10 hours from the discovery of the bag, which this is the weird thing. Her body and her purse were only 70 yards apart from each other, and it took 10 hours to find her body. So I'm like... But it wasn't hidden because a passerby just saw it. Yeah. So I don't don't know what went on there, what happened. I don't know if she was, like, half under a bush or something. I mean, you find find a bloody bag, and you kind of look in the area, and you're like... Oh, I don't I don't really know what happened here. For all they know, it was thrown out a car window. That person might have gone to the hospital. They don't know what happened. Yeah. There's just a bloody bag. Well, so, I was, mean, I guess it was the police who were searching though. Like you'd think the police would have found her 70 yards away in less than 10 hours. Yeah, you'd think that they would conduct a better search. But honestly, the police yeah. officer might have been like, Hmm, I don't I don't see anyone. I don't see anything. Person must have left. Yeah. I mean, that's shitty, but yeah, I feel like that's probably what happened. Probably what happened. <laughs> um, and these murders actually started something um, called Reclaim the Night, which was a movement started by women. Um, and it was a women's march against pro march in protest against um, violence towards women a protest on misogyny at the time and the way the murders were reported um because you know it's very condescending and very like oh they kind of deserved it in the papers and stuff and so this inspired marches all over the country to fight back against that and these murders and they'll reclaim the night uh Marches actually had a profound effect on the feminism movement in England in the 70s. So this kicked off fights against like domestic abuse, rape, and like all sorts of things. So if there was one good thing to come out of this, it's that movement, I guess. That's what I was just about to say. It's like at least some kind of good thing could have come from this. Yeah. And it's crazy to think that that like – the feminist movements like here in america and like in england and stuff like that's history and like a murder started it that's crazy so the special report on the cases is given to joan smith who was a reporter 
And the special report kind of has like all of the details and everything about the case in it. And she was horrified at the way the women were written about. And in this report, it was discovered they wrote about Wilma McCann, who was the very first murder victim, Mm-hmm. As someone who kept a, quote, deplorable house, left her children, was neglectful, drank, and then it was assumed because she lived her life as a prostitute. So she they find out there was actually no con- confirmation that she was a prostitute. And the police based their whole motive of these murders over Wilma being a prostitute. That is so wrong and so sick. Yeah. Just because she lived in a poor neighborhood, you know, and didn't have a good house or whatever, like a nice house. They just assumed. Yeah, and I mean, you can tell the reason why it's about the first person and then as it became, you know, a theme, then they probably stopped writing these things about the victims. Mm -hmm. You can tell they're just kind of like trying to write it off. Like, oh, yeah, another prostitute was killed. Yeah. Like not really making it a big a big deal at yeah. the time. That's probably why they wrote about her like the first one like that. Mm-hmm. Because at that time it's like, whatever. Yeah. Like we can basically just shrug it off if that's the case. And Irene was written about um, quote, no previous convictions, but thought to be a prostitute. So what would lead you to think that? She has no convictions, no arrests about of, of prostitution or anything and other quotes said this like quote this woman has loose morals went to public houses alone which basically means like they went to a bar by themselves with no man to escort what the heck this is the 70s this is not even like back in the 1800s the 70s i cannot believe that it's um ridiculous um and then It's also discovered Tracy Brown and Olive Smelt and a few other women who were not named were actually the first victims, not Wilma McCann. Um, But these women had been attacked, but they lived. And so Wilma was the first person who was murdered by him, but she was not the first victim, as this whole thing was said to be based off of, was her her murder. And see, he was probably like, Oh, I don't know how to how to word it. Like, I the word I want to say is wrong, but like perfecting his, like craft. building up to it. Yeah, building up. Like yeah, he's like figuring saying. out what to do. Right. That sounds too positive for the horrible thing he's doing, but. But yeah, but but in his mind, yeah, that's exactly what he's doing. Right. And that that's usually how killers go. You know, escalating. Yep. They don't start off right away like that, most people. Um, Olive said that the police should have realized from the get-go that it was not an attack on prostitutes because of what happened to her. But instead, these women were not looped into the Ripper's case until much later. Olive said she was attacked by a man from Yorkshire, and she told the police that he wasn't Jordy. A Geordie, which is when the tapes came in, they were saying it's a Geordie accent, it's a Geordie accent. And she said, she went to them and said, no, like, this is what happened to me. This is what he looked like. This is what he sounded like. It's definitely 
not Jordy, but they didn't listen to her or take her testimony, um, which is just stupid. I just, I mean, like, I understand things getting overlooked or, like, it taking a while to link all these murders or um, all these victims. Mm-hmm. I I can see why. I mean, it's hard. Like, for one, serial killers weren't, like, we're just becoming a thing at this mm-hmm. point yeah um so like that's kind of unheard of and they had no once again to their record keeping i mean that is so difficult to go back and look at all the things that were referenced and make those connections i don't i don't know how they did it with all the amount of victims and just in general with then connecting more people to it Without someone pointing it out to them or someone like a fresh pair of eyes looking at it, mm-hmm. that would be so hard to be able to link all of that. Like I almost – I'm almost giving them the police the benefit of the doubt because they have so much information coming yeah. in at them. It would be really um, hard. I can see how things would get overlooked. Yeah, paper system, for sure, things will go yeah. over your head and be missed, for sure. Right. Like, I can only imagine. In January 1981 in Sheffield, a suspicious car with a man and woman were in it was pulled over for having false plates. And the officer realized the man in the car looked like some... Oh, my God. I just said them sketches. The sketches they were seeing. And he returned to the area to search it and found a hammer and a knife. And so, the very first arrest of this case in the five and a half years it has been going on happens um, when this man is arrested. And he was caught purely by chance because of plates on your, like, false plates. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I, uh, what? Like, how many other murders have you heard of even when just one person is murdered where no arrest is made or i just ah yeah where there's not like a a viable suspect i mean most situations have like 10 people that sound like good suspects Mm -hmm. so insane like why does it all not always but why does why is that a common thing where killers are caught because of like speeding or something in their car not right wasn't that like ted bundy yeah i think yeah yeah i think i I think ted bundy was caught at one one of the times yeah because he was just pulled over Mm -hmm. and they saw like what was in his car that just shows like with police officers when they're making traffic stops for one, how dangerous it can be because you never know who you're pulling over. Uh-huh. And then also what they have to be looking out for. I mean, yeah. even with which we should cover this case when there's more out there, but with those um uh college students that were just murdered. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um That's a scary thing. I mean, what's his name? Brian Kohlberger? I believe. I'm not 100% sure. Oh, man. He, well, they, um, for the longest time, they didn't think that the police were doing much about it. The public was getting really upset. There weren't any good suspects. But really, the police were on to him really quick. And um, 
they had actually pulled him over twice um saying that i think the reason why was like following too close to the car behind him they were mm. just looking for some reason to pull him over so that they could yeah. get eyes on him and see inside the car and in that video you can see um in that dash cam or body cam video you can see like cuts on his arms and they're like they're taking notes on everything they saw on him and that's like part of their investigation um but they couldn't they didn't want to show like let him know that they were onto him right yeah so that's one way to be yeah discreet yeah yeah we do have to cover that case but maybe after the trial when there's more on it yeah yeah for sure the man arrested was peter william sutcliffe he was 35 years old from heaton bradford um he gave a voluntary statement outlining each murder in complete detail like what they wore what he said what they said what car they were driving um where he put them and which weapons he used and he even admits that he was trying to retrieve that five pound note that one time wait what so so this guy that they arrested Mm-hmm. He just, as soon as they arrest him, he's just singing like a canary. Yeah, pretty much. What well, the they heck? said, I think it like went down because they found the weapons in his car and it kind of went down like, have you used these? These weapons look suspicious, blah, blah, blah. And it just like everything just flowed right out. He wanted to get caught. He wanted to, he wants to go, go down in history for this. Yeah, totally. Um. so when he had to go to court people were everywhere on the streets trying to see him um in dewsbury dewsbury um where they were holding court he had to be covered as he was taken out of the car like tarp or blanket or whatever like completely over him mobs were like surging forward screaming at him um and in 1975, Tracy, that was when Tracy Brown was attacked. And these stories start, like, after he was caught, um, these stories started coming out. Um, she was attacked when she was 14 years old. And she was struck behind, from behind, oh my god, um, with a hammer and in 1977 tracy went to the police and told them she was being attacked or she believed she was attacked by the ripper and they just kind of laughed her off because she told her story and they were like you were a 14 year old kid like he's going after prostitutes it wasn't him but it turns out it was him Uh, yeah yeah Jeez, i mean it's so hard because it's like well okay you you walked away from that you were able to tell the story mm-hmm. and yeah you are a 14 year old kid that's not typically what he's after and you lived to tell the story yeah and like because everyone else ended up being hospitalized mm-hmm. but she i guess i mean i don't know if she ended up hospitalized but not enough for the police to be interested aware of it until she reported it yeah 
So, I mean, I guess, I mean, if a 14-year-old kid came up to me and said that, I don't know. I don't know. It'd be hard to believe, to be honest. That's a big oof on their part because that's why you need to follow every single lead Mm -hmm. and you need to check everything and no rock goes unturned because of situations like this. You can't just go based off what you think because people are unpredictable. Mm Mm-hmm. You never know. You never know who yep. could be correct, who's telling the truth. And you just come off as being an arrogant <laughs> asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter was an unassuming man. Nothing remarkable about him. No outstanding features, really. Nothing scary that would, like, stand out. So, um... People I bet that's kinda... what people oh sorry. I was gonna say that's what people look for. And it like they want to know this person that t- is terrorizing their town is some ugly, mm-hmm. you know, deformed I don't know how to describe it. They that they look like a killer. Yeah. Like they <laughs> Whatever look those images creepy and everything. Look yeah. Evil. Yes. But no, like, that wasn't the case. That's scary. Uh, Peter's father, John, was shocked when he was questioned. He said he had no idea, said Peter was a very kind, gentle child, had really no inkling of that kind of behavior ever. Um, But it was revealed as police looked into the family matter more. um, His father, John, was pretty abusive to his mother. And Peter really sided with his mother growing up. But then the idea of him being a mother's boy and a sissy kind of, like, flipped his attitude to seeing, like, femininity as a weakness and, like, a bad thing. Really? Um, Yeah. Apparently. Based on, like, the profiles um, of what they find out about the family, that's kind of what they believe. Um, Interesting. I think he'd want to be, like, a protector of women. Yeah, it's, like, weird because it seemed like apparently that's what he was, kind of, like, towards his mom and then wasn't all of a sudden. And that's very dramatic change. Very. Yeah. yeah. Um, Officer Andy Laptu was horrified to realize he had interviewed Peter years before as a suspect. Um. When he was interviewed, Peter was a newly married man at the time who said, oh, absolutely not. I am never with prostitutes. I am happily married, blah, blah, blah. He was in Manchester at the time and had explained that he was there. um... No, I'm sorry. Andy had questioned him why he was in Manchester at the same time that the Manchester murder like had happened. And he said, I was there with my whole family for a housewarming party. Like, you can ask anybody. And Andy had seen that he wears a size 8 shoe with a worn sole that he thought looked similar to the prince at the crime scene. And he also had said that the sketch looked like Andy. So he tells his superiors all of this information and all of his suspicions about Peter. And they said, well, is he a Geordie? And Andy said, no, but he's a dead ringer for the photos. And then he's cussed out not to waste the other detective's time. So Andy drops it. And Wow. Yeah. 
all on like the accent thing yeah seriously like someone can even fake an accent that's so annoying which i think now they realize he probably was faking an accent so like that would just make you feel so sick and like just being a detective has to be so hard especially like with homicide or serial killers Mm -hmm. where it's like every single victim is just some someone that could have been saved Mm -hmm. that's so that would just be a really really it'd be hard to come back from that as uh uh yeah as that detective for sure um and it turns out peter had been questioned nine times over these five years by the police and the five pound note (sighs) was traced back to his place of work like back to where he worked and still not found like not so, nobody realized it was him he's married this whole time pretty much yes yes so i'm so confused i mean if kendrick gets called into the station nine times about this murder i'm gonna be like freaked out like why was his wife <laughs> Seriously. not like looking for every little sign like i i mean that would have me really watching kendrick's every single move yeah that would freak me out i'm a paranoid right? person so like no way honestly you get called in once i'd be like what'd you do yeah like i mean I understand people are innocent all the time. Yeah. Just get like LinkedIn for weird coincidences. But still, nine times. Yeah, that is no longer a coincidence. Seriously, that is ridiculous. That's wild. And see, it is probably because of the paper trail. It's probably because it was so difficult until they had his name and they were able to look back and skim through for his exact name. Mm -hmm. To make those connections with all of that documentation they had would have been nearly impossible. impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Really difficult. Um, Nine times. That's got to be a record. That's just crazy. Um, The police had basically dropped it because they were absolutely sure it could only be a Geordie person, a person with a Geordie accent, and that it was a prostitute killer. Um, And if they had dropped both of those assumptions way earlier, he probably could have been found or discovered that it was him a lot earlier. Um, And they didn't listen to the women who were attacked before Wilma's murder. Um, They completely basically made up his profile and just stuck to it the whole time. So, it they can't be let off completely because that was their choice. Yeah, to that's, do all of those things, you know. That's true. With like uh, you know criminal minds and criminally profiling people, I, you would have to like I understand you make a profile of this person, but it, it's so hard because. But if your profile doesn't end up completely matching that person then you waste a lot of time so yeah. it's like as a criminal profiler i feel like a lot of the the result is oh yeah see i was right on this and i was right on that and i was i was partially right on this part of the 
out of my analysis. Yeah. A lot of it is just saying, see, I, I guessed most of it correctly. Yeah, I don't know. Much. I mean, because like, if you're wrong, you're pointing them in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. It's that's a lot of pressure. And also, like, there's a lot riding on that. And criminal profiling is important, but it's also like you can't 100% know if it's true until you catch them. So Exactly. Then after the fact, then you're like, see, I told you they were abused as a child. Yeah. Or like, oh, well, I was kind of right about that. It's yeah. It's more so just like then it all comes together afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I haven't really, besides on Criminal Minds, haven't really seen too many like profiles yeah. about killers that's 100% accurate. And so it's Reed, so hard to- Reed was never wrong. I would have liked to see an episode <laughs> where he has like the completely wrong profile or something. He I was the profile, Reed. right? Who's Reed? Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. Okay. I love Reed and Morgan. Ooh, I know. so cute. <laughs> <laughs> I did like that show. Hmm. Um <clears throat> in April 1981, his trial begins at the Old Bailey in London, which is extremely famous it is the biggest symbol of england's justice which i think is pretty significant that they put him they decided to have his trial there i think it was definitely a statement um he was charged with 13 counts of murder and he goes into it pleading not guilty to murder but guilty to 13 counts of manslaughter on the grounds of lesser responsibility which i'm like how you're the only person involved how could there, how could you have anything less than full responsibility dude ew what like do you think that's because of you know them being prostitutes i am i'm not entirely sure what the argument was maybe or weird like i can't completely say it was an accident but like i don't know it's just weird um, and then he was also charged with seven attempted murder charges, and he did plead guilty to those. Um, he is called to the witness box, and he said that he was a grave digger at a cemetery and that he heard voices coming from the grave and believed it was God and thought he said he thought about the earth and the universe and we're all how we're all insignificant but he was chosen by god um and he heard voices to um take care of like prostitutes and stuff so psychiatrics or oh my god psychiatrists were called <laughs> after he said all this crap and they were like okay he needs to be evaluated mm-hmm. um and he was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia which the really were furious about they did not want him to have this cushy sentence um yeah and i don't necessarily believe it i don't believe it no especially because peter's wife sonia Mm -hmm. had been diagnosed with schizophrenia quite a few years ago and she had been getting treatment for it and was doing better but he would know all of the symptoms and yeah. everything of what oh, to say no. and how to fake it because of his wife. So, oh my gosh, basically, yes, that gets me so mad because I mean, he laid low for five and a half years. A paranoid schizophrenic would be singing it from the mountains, being yeah. like, 
God told me to kill women. Like he would, he would be, he would be, he doesn't know what the difference between right, right and wrong. That's the point of him getting that diagnosis yeah. is to say, okay, like he needs to be like, he didn't know what he was doing type of thing. Like he needs help. Mm-hmm. That is the most BS thing that gets me so mad. Yeah. A paranoid would, schizophrenic ugh. could not hide could not hide it. You know? You can't. That's the thing. He had a whole show, he'd fake it. I don't understand why he's and honestly, then when he was writing to the police or giving that recording mm-hmm. when he was talking. Hmm. I didn't hear anything in anything that you told me about voices from the earth, t- God yeah. telling him to do anything. No, it's him pretending to be da- Jack the Ripper. Right. So that is yeah. the so biggest load of dookie I've ever heard. That gets me mm-hmm. so annoyed. Yeah. So... He's playing everyone, obviously, but the jury is basically told they have to decide if they believe him or not um, and come to a consensus. And after about six hours of deliberation, the jury decides he did know what he was doing and they reject his plea to manslaughter. Good. God. Good. Um, so justice for him said, quote, I shall recommend that a minimum period of 30 years should elapse before your release on license. That is an unusually long period, but in my judgment, you are an unusually dangerous man. So, and if you're wondering if 30 years doesn't seem like a lot to you, um, no capital, there is no capital punishment in England, so no life sentence and no death penalty. So it's basically no the highest he could possibly get. Um. It is so interesting. I think there are like loopholes where you can get more added to your sentence somehow, but I'm just not entirely sure how that works. But I know like some things exist like that. But yeah, you can't be like given life sentence or they don't have the death penalty there either. I mean, I understand no death penalty, but there are people that just should not be on the streets. Yeah, I... I do believe in life sentence at the very least. Like, I think we definitely need that for certain people in certain cases. Right. I like, so. I believe in reform for sure. Mm-hmm. And I believe that people can find God in prison, you know, but people like him, that is sick. Yeah. No, absolutely not. He's a danger it. to society. Mm hmm. In March 1984, Peter was transferred to a psychiatric unit, much to the anger of the public, because somehow, at some point, he had deceived his way into people thinking, oh, maybe he is insane. So, he's moved to Broadmoor, where he had so many more privileges. He had TV, visitors, a social life, a ro- his own room, um... And he even said, like, oh, I'm pretty happy here, pretty comfortable. And that just pissed a lot of people off, for sure. Um, the police investigated other murders to try and see if it could be connected to him. Um, and in... Nope, I skipped something. 
Keith Hallowell, one of the detectives, went to go see Peter and talked to him a couple times. And he felt Peter may have committed 10 of the murders that he re-looked into. So um, he was very angered to see him looking cheerful and carefree when he believes there are probably a lot more people out there who were murdered by him. Wow. And those families won't ever get justice. Yeah. In November 1992, Peter confessed to Keith Hallowell of um, Tracy Brown's attack. Um, And please basically tell her, even with this confession, there's no point in charging him because he's already been charged with 13 murders. And she's pretty angry, but she also doesn't want to live her life, like, consumed by a need, like, for vengeance about it. So has not pursued it um that logic is ridiculous like you still deserve to be heard and recognized and he still deserves to be punished for what he did to you yeah um for sure i totally believe that as well um i would definitely be angry if i were her so in i'm just looking something up real quick In 1981, Peter finally confessed to the murder of Marguerite Walls, who was killed in 1980. So that leaves a total of 13 deaths. Um, And his victims that we know of, I'll say again, are Wilma McCann, Irene Richardson, Jean Jordan, Vera Millard, uh, Marguerite Walls, Yvonne Pearson, Patricia Atkinson, Josephine Whitaker, Barbara Leach, Emily Jackson, Helen Ritka, Jane McDonald, and Jacqueline Hill. And he's actually dead now. He died in 2020, in November 2020. Whoa. Yeah. So not that long ago. Of he- what? Um, let me see. Do, 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 do. I mean, I just, those women, I just, it's so sad. They're somebody's child. They're all, a lot of them were mothers. Oh, oh, sorry. Yes. Um, I actually did not see this part, but apparently his sentence was converted to a whole life order in 2010. So, Heck I'm, yeah. I'm not entirely sure Heck what that was. Yeah. Um, Let's see. What did he die of? Well, then shoot. Well, then I wish he didn't die so he could rot. He had a heart attack. Oh, too easy. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, but not really. Because you suck. Uh, Yeah, but that's that's too quick. So he did not ever get out of prison um and he died in prison well he died at a hospital but yeah yeah. so at least he yeah never got to walk on the streets again never really very least never released so yeah that is our first person sorry what i just said what a horrible horrible person oh yeah definitely all right so the first yeah. ripper is that what you're gonna the say first yes <laughs> that was it mm-hmm. oh my gosh well that uh, was like that's just insane that 
that person existed. I never even heard of him before. Mm -hmm. Like none of that sounded familiar to me. I know. That's why I think it's really interesting to do um, because he's very, very like well-known and famous over there. Well, you know, like infamous, kind of like Ted Bundy would be for us. Right. So I think it's interesting to do killers from other countries of like people who are just so terrible and we might not have even known about them or heard of them. I know. You only hear about the serial killers in America. Yeah. But really hear too Luckily, much about other countries yeah <laughs> i almost said luckily for us i heard you starting to say luckily <laughs> i didn't i meant like at least america isn't the only country but like also <laughs> it's terrible and we don't want it to happen so like the whole thing right yeah you don't want it to not happen anywhere <laughs> but at least we know it's not just us right that's horrible <laughs> but we're not the only ones producing Horrible people. Because a lot of people don't want to come to America. Any uh, international listeners? Um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe you guys can concur with that. But I've heard like a lot of people think that America is very violent. Well. Especially like Chicago. Not exactly which it wrong. Is, which, which it is. <laughs> but it's just funny. The different perspectives. Yeah. Whoopsie. Anyway. Um, so... Are we covering Jack the Ripper next time, or is there a different Ripper case? Yeah, I think we'll do that next time. Okay, so we'll go back Jack to the, Ripper. the original. The uh, yeah, who it's OG. all based off of? Mm-hmm. Not this fake Jack the Ripper. That stupid fake copycat Peter. Yeah, his poor wife. I cannot even imagine. She has to go through that diagnosis, and like. She's getting better. And then for your wife to make a mockery of your diagnosis, too, by faking it, that's got to, like, that's another backstab thing. Ugh. Right. She, yeah, she's probably sitting there like, no, you're not. Like, that's She's crazy. probably so annoyed by that. Something that's she just... struggles with, and then he uses it for his own personal gain. I would have right. whipped my lid if I were her. No. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder how if she stuck with him at all through it. I hope not. I'm not sure. I'm sure she didn't. I'm, but sometimes these women are so convinced that they were, um, They're innocent, that they were innocent the whole time, and it was wrongful. But he admitted to it. Whoa. There's no what. Um, so they did get divorced, but they didn't get divorced until 1994. Whoa, that's crazy! And he was separated for a long time and just didn't yeah. do the paperwork. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well. Okay. Well. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that's a horrible person, but I hope everybody has a good week. And um, I'm Casey. <laughs> I'm Emily. And you just heard Macabre Minds. <laughs>